Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. Audio only. We are launching a new podcast series called That Time When. I'm Matt. I'm Tommy. And I'm Dan. Who is Dan? Uh, I'm the editor. I make words on the website about things relating to Formula One and other motorsport. Nice. And we have... You're the person that gets abused on social about being a fanboy and oh, every yeah, time yeah, they yeah. write that Hamilton won a race or Vettel won a race. Yeah, yeah, you put a fact in and uh, suddenly you're a fan or hater of that person. <laughs> so basically I'm the fanboy of every driver and also the hater of every driver. <laughs> we have actually mentioned you quite a few times on the real life video podcast that we do, which are not being replaced. If anyone's wondering, this is additional content, isn't it, Tommy? Additional, yeah. Yep, there's going to be all the beautiful stuff that we... You, you hate it when I like, just <laughs> cut to you, don't you, Tommy? Oh, God, he's just spoke yep. to me. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, today we are going to be chatting about that time when BAR ran a half-and-half half livery. Uh, obviously, with everyone chatting about the F1 car launches coming up, depending on when this is uploaded, we may have had a, a few already. Who knows? But 20 um, years ago, that was. 20 1999 yeah. I, I remember it and i was looking on it going oh well this would be a good one to do because it's um like 10 years ago and then it was like oh no it's 20 years ago and, and you were people think you were minus four at that age but you I were was 10 10 yeah you're not as old as tommy are you dan oh only a few months younger i was also i was i was nine and a half because the halves are important at that age yeah so you're you're 29 and a half Right now? 20, 29 and a half, yeah. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Before we uh, think about how old, well, you two are, it's amazing. I probably look the oldest out of the three and I'm only 26. So let's talk about how BAR began. Tommy, do you think you're a good one to, to tell us a little bit how it began? Uh, of what I can remember, yeah. Um, so they took over Tyrrell. If you watched our F101 video about uh, the history of F1 teams, you will know that, of course. Yeah, uh, you made that one, didn't you? I, I did. did. Yeah. Good work. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's British American Tobacco took over Tyrrell, and it was 98? Uh, end of 97. They end of 97, it. and 98, they ran as Tyrrell, but... They, they ran were, as Tyrrell yeah. because if they ran as Tyrrell for a year, they would get the prize money when they became BAR for 99. So it was a sort of way to not lose that prize fund. It's the politics of team names in F1. So why weren't they called BAT? Because, well, well, I guess they're British-American racing. Also, tobacco okay. advertising was sort of going dead at that time. So, okay. so, a, so a big tobacco company decided, let's create a team. Brilliant. So, so what do you mean by going dead? As in, you know, it was well, kind of being taken away from the sport. Yeah, like tobacco advertising laws, especially in Europe, were getting stricter. So that's why you would see teams running like Rothmans. Williams would run the question marks on the livery instead of Rothmans because you couldn't advertise cigarettes and that sort of thing. So it's it's weird to think now how much stuff in my like 
like my bedroom was covered in posters of yeah, like yeah. Benson and Hedges and Rothmans <laughs> yeah. and Marlboro and stuff. And are you a compulsive smoker, Tommy? Oh, Did it work? N- no, it didn't. I never smoked. <laughs> I've actually so got a duvet at home. I've got a duvet at home with like the 95 Formula One cars on it. And it says like Marlboro and stuff on it as well. It's like a kid would have had this and like <laughs> sleeping under cigarette packets. And you're not a smoker either, are you, Dan? No. So, yeah, it uh, didn't work. Didn't thanks, work. Thanks so much for your advertising. Sorry, BAR. <laughs> So they launched their car on January the 6th, 1999 at Brackley. Do you, do you remember it well? I don't. I remember, well, it would have been like pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace. Pre-Bebo, pre- pre-Bebo, everything. Oh, God, um, I seem to remember maybe seeing pictures of it in an F1 magazine that I used to get. Um, but yeah, the main sort of shocking thing was that they released two liveries which was very un- different, as very well. different and unheard of before, which was their kind of way of saying like, look, we have two tobacco companies that we want to promote. So that, was Let's that have... the reason then? Because obviously when I look at this, I don't know too much about this history. What, why was the reason that they launched two liveries? Well, they had, they, they own many tobacco yeah, companies, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, well, the two brands they had on the liveries was they had a lucky strike car, uh, which was the white and red one, which they sort of later used in later seasons. And they had the blue 555 livery, which was probably more famous for being on Subarus in the WRC. But the 555 brand was more popular in Asia, whereas Lucky Strike was more popular in Europe and America. So they figured it would have more of a global reach having right. both. So, so as you just say, you know, they would have used one of the cars for the Asia races and, and whatnot. And then for the European, they would have used the... The other one that was more popular, or would, were they? No, they, were, they were literally. The... They were literally going to just run like so. Jack Villeneuve's car would be Lucky Strike. Oh, they would have run yeah, one they of them. Yeah, so it was literally. Gotcha. Jack Villeneuve is driving a white and red car, and his teammate Zonta is driving a blue car, which isn't that uncommon in IndyCar and NASCAR and stuff. Yeah, but in Formula really One, it was frowned upon. Frowned upon, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just against the rules. They yeah. thought they could get away with it somehow. Yeah, what was their thoughts behind it? Because obviously there are rules in place and were rules in place to say that they have to have the same liveried car. What did they expect just to launch it and be like, deal with it? Or um, Well, when, it, when they released it, obviously the FIA said, no, you can't do that. You need a separate livery. But BAR, they protested that and said, no, we want to run the two liveries. It's like you're infringing on our commercial freedoms if you force us to run a different livery. Yeah, so they came into F1 with all sorts of crazy claims. They were going to say like, oh yeah, we can win in our first year and we'll be championship contenders really quickly. And when another, when the FIA said, no, you need to change your livery, the team, one of the reasons they gave was, oh, it's because we're all like, we're going to be amazing. We're going to be amazing. Yeah. And the FIA is trying to like keep us down because we're against the establishment and all that sort of thing. Yeah, if you thought, like McLaren in 2015 were bigging up Honda too much. It was probably nothing compared to yeah. BAR saying we're going to win the championship and be this incredible team because obviously Jack Villeneuve at the time had only won the championship, what, two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he got convinced to go over by Craig, Craig po- Pollard? Craig Pollock. Pollock. It, was, it was his manager. Pollock, and that's he the one, yeah. helped set up. BAR and was obviously Villeneuve's manager and said, yeah, come and race for this team. It'll be great. It'll be great. And it wasn't really, was it? But nope. Yeah. So with the rules in place then that we just mentioned uh, and the 
kicking off about their commercial freedom, they had to design one livery. They still had to back down, didn't they? And uh, they came up with the zip. The zipper. Yeah. The zipper. It was uh, kind of a... It, it was one of those liveries at the time where I think I think when it came out, I remember thinking, like, that is ugly. What what are they thinking? That's so stupid. Mm. And now you look back on it and you and it's... Well, it's an interesting story that we're now talking about, but also, like, it's kind of iconic, I guess, because you never we'll probably never ever see a car like that again in f1 it's such a random story that they and it's it's a bit of a troll really from var to yeah, be like yeah. well we're going to run both anyway yeah 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 because um even before they came up with that livery they said oh we're going to run both different cars in australia anyway what are you going to do ban us mm. and then obviously they didn't do that and just came up with this mashup design which was slightly ridiculous because in my opinion although it what is ridiculous and i'm looking at a picture right now i mean it is quite cool when you think about the backstory behind it and how they've tried to fight for these two different cars and they've come up with this quite ingenious way of getting around it in, yeah, in my they could opinion have quite easily just done the you know maybe made a lucky strike livery and added a bit more blue and put the 555 in mm. as well but the fact that they've actively almost done a bit of like a screw you to the FIA yeah. With, yeah. That, with their livery, which is essentially what they've done. Um, and then they've obviously got the zip uh, slightly open as well. A bit cheeky. <laughs> bit cheeky. But, uh, Showing yeah, a bit of skin. A bit of skin, yeah. <laughs> but uh, from what I read, that is... So obviously they've got the, the sponsors. So you have a lot of... Like most F1 teams have the sponsors on the nose, so they needed a way to be able to show them without being being an absolute horrible cluster livery so they had like the silver opening up well that's the thing like when i look at that obviously a lot of people would have slated it especially when they first launched it as being ugly and and whatnot but this has made history this is a car that people remember for generations past you know when it when it raced so for me you know should f1 teams firstly be allowed to run two different liveries and if not why don't they do ridiculous liveries like this? Like, for example, the one I can think of, which is most recent, is Force India going pink. Like, that was a huge thing. And I think so much more people now know of BWT water than if they were to have just gone grey or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? Like, what is a great livery? Like, the Marlborough McLarens are iconic. You think of red Ferraris, you know, they're beautiful liveries. But the idea of a livery and sponsors is advertising and advertising for that to be effective it needs to be memorable so can is it better to be hideous and memorable than attractive and you know completely forgettable it's like the mclaren when i remember when um honda got on board and they still released a silver and gray car yeah, yeah. and everyone was thinking like surely the sponsors don't want a car that's gray with black writing on that you can barely see what it is and it wasn't memorable at all but i mean this this bar livery you know maybe in 40 50 years time people will look back on on it as like an absolute classic yeah so, yeah. so do you think should f1 teams be allowed to run two different liveries no 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 i, I don't mean, either i watch indycar and that they do it a lot there so do, uh, each driver will have a different sponsor on their car and liveries will sometimes even change to race to race and even though i follow it it's confusing yeah it is, conf- it is confusing as especially as someone yeah that watches indycar yeah you just 
there'll be a new completely new driver I'll, t- I'll switch on for the race and suddenly you know Montoya's in a bright yellow car that Joseph Newgarden was racing in yeah. the last race and you're just like this is taking me time to adjust mm. it I, I think I don't think it's a a good thing for fans I think they can do more to you know separate the cars a little bit but I don't, I don't think running two liveries is the is the way to go I completely no. agree uh, and it, a bit like how Alonso for his last race was a little bit out there wasn't he had that blue uh, on on yeah, the car yeah. and Abu yeah, Dhabi, nice things subtle, to, touch, yeah. subtle touches to kind of almost you know for people in the grandstand for people watching at home it's some people aren't aware especially new watchers of the sort of the yellow T uh, thing above the, the oh, driver yeah, if yeah. it's yeah. I've been watching F1 for twenty years I still don't understand that I yeah. never know who's who exactly so it's still confusing whereas if it's that element of just a bit of a driver's touch just like they have with their helmets they're allowed to do pretty much whatever they want with helmets why can't they have a little bit of a touch on the it's, car it's funny that some people. Uh, the generation I've grown up watching F1, aka being old, is um, I always recognised, I don't know if you guys are the same, but watching F1, it was all recognising it through the helmet design. Yeah. So now it's weird because I, I'll put up something and people will be like, oh, the T-cams, that's not the right driver or whatever. Yeah. But whereas I'm used to just, I just I look at the helmet and go, that's that driver, yeah, or that's yeah. that driver. Yeah, it's weird because the yellow is supposed to indicate, or from what, what I thought anyway, that it's the second driver, or you know. Yeah, the, but they've the, got personal the numbers driver. now anyway, so it's, it's a bit. It's yeah, just, I don't really. Yeah. So maybe they should just have their own liveries as well. I mean, I agree. I don't think you know Formula One is all about that team that, yeah, and I don't want them to be completely differentiated and and whatnot. I mean, the thing is, in 1999, you could tell Villeneuve and Zonta apart easily when they're out of the car because they're two different people who look very different. I realise how silly that sounded in the build-up. <laughs> but also, because even though they made the livery uh, zipper design incorporating both, the drivers still ran unique overalls. So Villeneuve had the Lucky Strike overalls, whereas Zonta still had the full blue mm. 555 ones. And I think that's the last time that an F1 team ever ran different overalls for their drivers, apart from like one-offs. Um because it used to be reasonably common for, say, Williams in the 80s, PK had a white suit and Mansell's was red or something. Mm. But yeah, I think that was the last time that, that an F1 team has had two different suits. And is there a rule to stop drivers having their own individual overalls these days? Could they have their own? I guess there's been specials, hasn't there? Massa yeah. had that yeah. special suit for his last race. Well, Although yeah. that wasn't his last race. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but teams can still run one-off liveries. They just have to get the approval of everyone, like the FIA and all the teams and stuff, because in 2008, Coulthard had, for his last race, that one-off Red Bull Wings for Life livery that was white. Yeah. But you have to get approval from everyone, and that's just a one-off. So there and that livery two... went really well for him as well. Oh, yeah, it? yeah. It went like one corner. Whole two corners. Two, yeah. cor- <laughs> two corners, yeah. <laughs> so let's have a quick chat about BAR's first season in 1999. I did a bit of research, and I know you mentioned that, you know, Jack Villeneuve was going into it, you know, two years ago, he won the championship was it or something and yeah, they, you know he's a hot shot yeah it, he's, so he's, he's a big man on the driver market and uh, he retired from the first 11 grand prix finishing a total of only four times in the 1999 season compared to zonta who had slightly more success at finishing seven races but they scored zero points throughout the entire season yeah yeah well, i mean mika salo substituted for zonta for three races early in the year because salo got in no Zonta got injured, yeah. Um, Salo came in because Salo finished yeah. seventh, I think, which was the team's best result of the season. So when your sub's getting the best result of the season, that's not that great. No. But, which for um, those that are new to Formula One, you didn't get points for seventh. 
yeah. in no, 99 no. up six. to six yeah but the car wasn't actually that bad when it was running it was competitive so like Villeneuve would regularly be like the top of the midfield and occasionally ran in points I think he was third like running third in Spain or something yeah it I did just... watch a couple of videos just to like check out the livery and remember like what it kind of looked like on track and um the things I watched my memory of it was that they were just awful but they were just unreliable yeah yeah i mean how much of that was the car and how much was villeneuve is difficult because i'm quite different to a lot of people i think villeneuve's really underrated and certainly in the few years after he won his title he was still a really quick driver um but yeah the car was just too unreliable to be successful i mean they even finished behind minardi in the championship yeah minardi year. scored one point that that season that which... season yeah so yeah they went into the season saying you know, watch this FIA, we're going to be the new kids on the block and instead finish behind Minardi, <laughs> which, ouch. Ouch. Uh, so obviously they were hoping for change uh, going into 2000 and they did, they didn't run the same livery as 1999 or any kind of zip livery, did they? So No, they kind of settled on the Lucky Strike design, um, which was just, uh, unfortunately they... Um, the 99 Lucky Strike design that they're originally going to um, use had a bit to it, but they ended up just running pretty much a plain white livery with the Lucky Strike. Yeah, yeah, it was really boring the first few years. I mean, it sort of <coughs> grew into something a little bit more sort of classically stylish, I guess you call it, but it wasn't really eye-catching at all. No, no but, one's going to remember the 2000 BAR livery, no. are they? But they did, um, they did get an outing with the 555, right? in yeah. china yeah in china in 2004 <coughs> when anthony davidson was running the third car in practice he had a like a special 555 livery and then in 2006 when the team was honda they replaced the lucky strike logos with 555 so there's like blue flashes on the side pods and stuff yeah i think i actually remember that yeah one. in in asia they wanted to promote that one more didn't they so yeah. they because there was talk that they really wanted to just run the 555 livery anyway yeah, I um, think you remember. But then, yeah, they were only allowed to do it for testing where they... Uh, it was a third driver. Third driver in practice, In practice, yeah. yeah, where clearly livery rules don't apply as much. Yeah. So let's have a few fan thoughts on the 1999 BAR livery. Uh, we have W1986 Andy says, up there with Jordan and Pink Force India as the best. So this is a few positive ones, then we get on to the more funny negative ones. Lods TBB, love it purely because it was an act of pure petulance after they launched the team with two different liveries and got told they couldn't. Completely uh, agree with that one. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. A, it's a great way of, uh, of summing it up. Uh, NTHLDGED, whoever's idea it was to do that is a genius. Um, and then we've got the more uh, negative comments. Uh, Marito Quiros, that zipper is the worst thing ever. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I think it's genius, personally. Yanis uh, Kopp uses a gif of putting something in a bin, because obviously this is audio only. I can't show the gif. The but awesome bin. But it, yeah, it, was a, it wasn't an awesome bin. It was, a, it was not a... Not, well, a, a bin's awesome. Some. They are, some, <laughs> some of them are. Uh, and finally, Gavin GC5. Nope, it was... S star 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 I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast so you know what that is and then and it's swear word now epic fail can't believe someone was paid to come up with it see it is it kind of had some very differing opinions didn't it and I guess that was exactly what they were after is conversation divided like the liveries on the thing like the zipper still didn't yeah that is good still didn't make me or Dan smoke though so 
didn't no, no, no. I wonder how many people it did make smoke. I don't think. I think it just made me think the company was cool. Like that's all like Marlboro. You know, like yeah, McLaren's yeah. cool. I don't go. I now need a cigarette. It was, no, uh, no, not the design effect. Even though they were cigarettes, like Lucky Strike. What's that? <laughs> yeah, it's really naively probably the same. So I know you both have notes still sat there. Anything else you want to add for the BAR 1999 livery and launch? Because we're going to wrap this up, if not. No, no, I think we're good. No, Chat Thiel is awesome. Chat yeah, awesome. Yeah, to be fair, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was the same. I was like, I was, I was waiting for the underrated Jack Villeneuve opinion. I mean, yeah. do you want to talk about Jack Villeneuve? Or? No, well, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, another that, time. <laughs> that time when Jack Villeneuve was amazing. That'll be a that? really long podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, Dan just talks for 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it then. We are done here for this new format of podcast, the That Time When podcast. I'm quite excited to learn from you guys a bit more because obviously I'm, I'm kind of the more just not historically educated like you two are but uh, oh, it's, I'm not it's interesting <laughs> okay you're historical then <laughs> yeah <laughs> perfect well let us know what you think uh, in the comments I, i'm not sure how these all these different audio platforms work send us work. a tweet maybe yeah send us a tweet using the hashtag wtf1 podcast let us know what you think as well as leaving us a review and rating on apple podcasts that would be delightful if you're currently listening that'd and be if, great that'd be great and if you are and you're like oh i don't know if i can be bothered please just go and do it now okay cool perfect well thank you very much dan as well for joining us for your first ever audio appearance thank you it's good to get my voice out there and stop sort of being the mystery wtf1 person he's still kind of mysterious in the fact that no one really has seen you yet that's very true yeah i'm just a computer program really that uh, you're just text to speech weekend yeah yeah. (laughs) and tommy thank you so much as well that is it i'm matt and uh, we'll see you next time for that time when goodbye goodbye